0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire terms and conditions apply need to hire. You need indeed. You are listening to KC sports network
1: proudly presented by M prize bank, your partner in possible who you do business with is more important than where they're located. Bank from the comfort of your own home with EmPRISE Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory podcast with Ken Swanson, Craig Stout, and Matt Lane. Coming to you on the fastest-growing sports media network in Kansas City. You can find all of our channels covering all the local teams wherever you listen to podcasts or on YouTube. Just search KCSN. And now, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory.
2: It's a live episode of the Casey Laboratory presented by M-Prize Bank member FDIC. Maddie Lane, is it a good day? Oh, it's a great day to be a fan of the
3: world champion Kansas City Chiefs, two-time world, three-time world champion Kansas City Chiefs. And guys, I would like to let everybody know that Craig is back with us thing. He's okay. There is nothing wrong with him. He is okay, as Kent was about to tell you. Craig is okay, guys.
4: I am. Uh, I mean, dude, you you guys are selling this awful hard. I I'm I'm doing fine. Craig, I'm
1: doing I
2: fine. I don't
4: I mean, know why.
2: Like it just feels like I'm always compelled to reassure people that you're fine. I, time you're gone. Am I, know you I, don't am I like yet. a flight
4: risk or
3: something? No, like, you what, know. no I, I think he just sees you as frail. I think he, he sees just, you as weak well, and frail. I,
2: look, people, the people just care is all. That's all. I mean, the like, first comments, Grayson Jaspers every time with Craig is great. Which is, I mean, I,
4: I will say this, uh, just to get this off of me. I just realized just now looking at my, my shirt, you know, Super Bowl LVII, I, looking at matty shirt super bowl liv you guys the liv logo is better it's just more aesthetic. and <laughs> guys, I, I, I mean buddy this, this is I,
3: my super bowl gear not here yet the super bowl liv stuff is so much better than this recent release the hats are better shirt designs are better colors are it's all better this is a you know, I, I don't mind the hat. I get what they're going for. It's like this throwback thing. I'm still waiting on mine. Maybe I'll like it more once it finally shows up. But <laughs> like I, I don't know. I like the LIV stuff better. I'm glad I have a little bit more of that locked away because this this year's stuff is eh. Do
2: you know what I like? That
3: I like that, wearing Super
2: I like that we have two Super Bowl <laughs> sets of apparel to choose from. That's what I like. <laughs> you guys are sitting here squabbling three, over really. which t-shirts better. And I just I love it uh yeah thanks for everybody that's hanging out uh hit the like button please hit the subscribe button please if you're watching plenty to cover today uh and by the way kcsn draft guide has released i uh am contractually obligated to remind you of that the link to purchase it is in the uh description of the show i hope jordan uh it, it is <laughs> That'd be back of course it is i, I, I know was i just I know I'm just messing with it. But uh yeah, 225 write-ups on prospects, how they fit the Chiefs. Uh, the link in the description uh gets you three months to KCSN Substack for only $12.99 for all of that. So uh the book releases April 5th. We are well on our way uh to getting that thing written. It's in good shape and cannot wait for the fifth edition, the Super Bowl edition of that book. So links in the description of the show. It's gonna be great. Okay, so we're gonna kind of cover, you know, some of the defense, the defensive outlook with the with the free agents and all that stuff, uh, and just kind of the roster composition and all that stuff, uh, like we did with the offense yet last uh, earlier in the week. But first, reports from Josina Anderson seem to indicate that the Kansas City Chiefs are looking at potentially adding an outside hire to their staff. That would be Pep Hamilton. Last served as offensive coordinator for the Houston Texans in 2022, but there appears to be interest from the outside world, from outside the Chiefs ecosystem. Maddie Lane, how interested are you? In interested are you in Pep Hamilton? So, I I think we got to start
3: with like the very five thousand foot view. Um, the Chiefs have not interviewed Pep Hamilton. There has been no reports that Pep Hamilton is on his <laughs> way to Kansas City. That they have actively spoken. Okay, like there is nothing directly connecting the two. It is just being reported by Josina Anderson that the Chiefs have explored the idea of adding Pep Hamilton. So let's just pretend they even considered going down this path. What an absolute excellent decision the Kansas City Chiefs could be making in whatever role he takes. I personally would prefer him as the QB coach. I think Matt Nagy should be the offensive coordinator. And if I'm being honest, Pep Hamilton's been elite as a QB coach. As an offensive coordinator, not as good. Once he gets his hand on that play calling sheet, and not that he would be doing that under Andy Reid, but once he gets his hands on the play calling sheet, I think you start to see some of his some areas where he struggles a little bit more start to arise. But just as a pass game coordinator, as a QB coach working with directly with a quarterback, He's been excellent throughout his entire career going back to Stanford with Andrew Luck, following him to the Colts, getting some time with Justin Herbert. Like Everywhere he's gone to work with a quarterback, that quarterback has gotten better. Or he's added new fun wrinkles to an offense based around that quarterback and his wide receivers, especially if you want to listen to what Reggie Wayne had to say about him and his first stint there with the Colts. So I think it would be an excellent hire to bring him in the building. I would lean towards not directly as the offensive coordinator, even though that might be where the interest starts just to get, you know, have him in the building. I like the idea, but you guys know, I'm always a big fan of bringing outside voices and not just promoting from within, you know, all the time.
4: And I mean, to get this out of the way, Matt Nagy was an outside voice. Yes. He spent some time away from Andy Reid. He kind of did his own thing. Matt Nagy being added as an outside voice was a major deal for this offense. You got to see, they won in more ways, maybe, than they have in the past. I think it made Andy Reid better. I think it made Eric B. Enemy better. And I think it made all the players better by adding that outside voice. Pep Hamilton definitely can bring that. He certainly got the chops to deal with elite quarterback play. I mean, Andrew Luck is one of the very best quarterback prospects to ever come out, ever. And then he also got to be a part of Justin Herbert's, you know, kind of explosion onto the scene as a quarterback and helping him develop. So yes, you put that mind in the room with, you know, Patrick Mahomes, but not just Mahomes, Shane Buchel. I mean, I know we don't have a ton of like super hype about him or anything, but he's going to make a guy like that better. And you can transform maybe a guy that was your third string quarterback into a quality backup and resolve that just kind of in one spell swoop by doing this. Now, that being said, yes, there is mutual interest. Yes, I hope the Chiefs find a way onto the staff. The Chiefs do have to hire a or interview a minority coach for their offensive coordinator position. They can't just turn around and go, okay, Matt, here you go. Whether or not it is going to be the I case accept. or not. I mean, <laughs> no, not you, Matt. Matt Nagy. Oh, Matt Nagy. Okay, sorry, sorry. They can't just turn around and do that. That's not the way the rules work. Even if that's what Andy Reid wants to do, there have to be interviews that occur. This could be one of those, but I do think it's interesting the way that it's phrased by Jacina to say there is mutual interest between both parties on him joining the staff, not specifically for the offensive coordinator position, but him on the staff. I think that that says a lot. Now, maybe he comes in, he interviews for offensive coordinator, and they turn around and they go, okay. We're gonna promote Matt Nagy. You turn around, you either fill that that quarterback coach spot, or we can find a spot for you as like a special analyst or something like that. We want you on this roster, we
2: want your contribution on the team. I can definitely see that happen. I I just I'm excited of about the outside influence idea, just getting some fresh perspective. I, I just you know, and it's not that this team, I'm not saying that this offense needs it, right? Like they had a lot hurt. of success. It can't hurt. I think that's the best way of putting it because you're looking at, you know, an, an organization that is humming and firing all cylinders, but there are 31 other teams hell bent on slowing down and stopping the Kansas city chiefs. And so anytime you can add some outside perspective on, you know, what the opinion is of this football team, what the opinion of this um, offensive program, even and the defensive side of the football for that matter. Anytime you can get some of those kind of outside perspectives and, and, and understanding, you know, how how teams are studying you and what kind of things, you know, that they like that they want to steal or what kind of things that, you know, they think might give you problems and, and some of the things they might be trying to cook up, I, I think it can work both ways. And so I love the idea of outside perspective. I think Pep Hamilton makes a lot of sense. He's still under the age of 50 like he's not he's not this he's not an old guy he's been around for a long time but he's not the oldest guy uh either so um i i would love to see the chiefs you know try to get someone like pet pet involved in some capacity i don't know what role that looks like i think it could make sense that they're going to give him a, a crack at you know at an offensive coordinator interview and then in conjunction with that um you know they might they might you know they might like him enough to give him the job or You know they'll try to find another another role for him, but I'm I'm a big fan of getting this unique perspective uh, outside. Anything else on Pep before we move on? Yeah, I think
3: something super intriguing about the idea of like a Pep Hamilton. We've talked a lot about Cliff Kingsbury and why we think that might be a good idea for the Chiefs, and I'm Mm -hmm. not backing off that. But an interesting part about Pep Hamilton is he comes from. Roots with Jim Harbaugh at Stanford and the 49ers and run the ball. And he straight up talked about it when he's had Andrew Luck, when he was getting a job with the Houston Texans, he wants to run the ball. He wants to use the power run game, easy completions on first down, West Coast offense principles, and then power run game. The Chiefs are losing Eric Bieniemy ex-running back, had a lot to do with the run game. And Greg Lewis is now you know getting some interest from the Washington Commanders to maybe join the staff over there who is the running backs coach. So you might have two guys who have a lot of say in the chiefs running game or what's going on with at least the running backs and the run concepts going out the door. It might not be a bad idea to have somebody else come in, whether that's in a advisor role, whether that's a consultant, uh, some kind of analyst and then Pep Hamilton who believes in running the football, whether it's at QB coach, running back coach, one position he has not coached to my knowledge. He's done receivers and quarterbacks. Just, I like the idea of getting somebody that wants to funnel some of the offense through the run game when you're losing the two guys that are probably, you know, pounding the table the most for the run game.
4: Absolutely. And uh, we've seen Andy take influences from every position. It doesn't matter if it's a quarterback's coach, he's going to listen to that individual in a lot of different ways. Again, Matt Nagy quarterback's coach. And we heard from Travis Kelsey, he was part of, he was a lot of the passing game install and third downs, you know? And so, I mean, that he's not just going to get locked into you take care of Patrick Mahomes. You don't do anything else. You have no other influence on the offense. A guy like that can still bring a lot to the table. And for a guy like Isaiah Pacheco and an offensive line that is built the way that it is, it would make so much sense to bring another guy in that can run that style, have a lot of those run concepts. Andy Reid certainly got him in his playbook, but having a guy that can sit there and say, I think that this is the best way to, to utilize this personnel sitting in that offensive film room is a big boon for everybody. It might be one of those that you look at, look back at this and be like, man, Pep Hamilton was a great hire for Isaiah Pacheco, and he's really a quarterback's coach. So it, it could be a, a kind of offensive-wide boon to this staff by mm. adding a guy like Pep Hamilton to it.
1: You're listening to the fastest-growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. entertain, educate, inform KC sports network.
2: Hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. If you're watching, appreciate everybody that's watching pep Hamilton. There's potential interest in, uh, in adding him to the Chiefs staff. We will see where that goes. And of course we will be here at KC sports network, breaking it down. If the chiefs do indeed add pep Hamilton to the roster. So, you kind of saw what we me and Maddie did earlier uh in the week where we kind of took a look at the offensive side of the football when it came to, you know, some of the bigger storylines on, you know, the defensive side of the ball when it comes to free agents, roster construction, all that kind of stuff. We'll start and do the defensive side today. Of course we waited for Craig. That's totally intentional. Oh, and exactly why we did what we did. Uh that was why that that's why. Um, but let's let's just kind of look. I, I think, you know, the biggest I think the biggest storyline you could say on the defensive side of the ball when it becomes, you know, when it comes to the defense, I think is everybody's wondering about Frank or not Frank Clark. We'll get to Frank Clark, but Chris Jones, Chris Jones's contract and you know, his, you know, he, he's done after this year. So he's got one more season left on that giant contract that he signed. It's a $30 million cap hit. There's some cap relief to potentially be had if you extend him. Um, but I think that's that's the one question is, you know, does a Frank Clark extension get done? Do we think a Frank Clark extension or a Chris, uh, Chris Jones extension is getting done? I'm sorry. I keep flipping them on. Um, my this, kid kept me this, up last night. Forgive.
4: This man is just so ready to get to Frank Clark talk. We're, we, I am. Yeah. I'm excited, but we'll get there. Um, I think that the Chris Jones extension – might be the most no-brainer move of the offseason. Chris Jones is coming off a Defensive Player of the Year candidate level season. He finished third in the voting there to two awesome performances, and he had the best year of his career defending the run and playing within the scheme. It wasn't just, hey, I'm out here, I'm searching for sacks, I'm hunting for those things. He picked his moments right, and I think that's a real testament To what Steve Spagnolo installed, yes, but what Joe Cullen did. I am guessing, we don't know full coaching contracts or anything like that yet. There's still lots of stuff that can go there. I'm guessing Steve Spagnolo is back, and I am guessing that Joe Cullen is back as the defensive line coach. If that is the case, this makes so much sense to just turn around, pay Chris Jones, you know, whatever essentially he wants, pay him top dollar as a defensive player of the year candidate and it's going to decrease your cap hit this year it's probably going to decrease what it would be next year as well and it's going to be year 3 and 4 of that contract that are going to be big you can reevaluate things then chris needs to stay in Kansas City he is such a big factor in you know the pass rush in the penetrative ability to stop the run and also in the culture and the way that he's embraced being a leader. I think everybody saw the mic'd up if of the Super Bowl, if you haven't yet, go watch Chris Jones getting the entire defense exerting more energy than he is saving everybody else, trying to get everybody to sit down. Get your, you know, get your bearings. We're coming back on the field. It's coming anytime, you know, and all that. That's the type of stuff that we haven't seen from Chris as much in the past. He has really embraced that role this year. I think it's just the most no brainer move on this side of the ball to extend that man and free up cap space while keeping your best defensive player happy.
3: Yeah. I think this past season has kind of driven the point home that Chris Jones might be nearing that age where Brett Veach gets a little antsy and the Chiefs start trying to consider, is it going to be worth it to have money wrapped up in him for multiple years? I think, at some point in time, you know, you got to let the edge thing go here. Here's a guy playing his best season of football under these coaches with this team in this past season. He's now coming up on a completely asinine cap hit of, what, just under $29 million, over $28 million is his cap hit this year. There's no way you can let him play on that. And I don't think at his age, meeting a brand new contract, at no point in time are you going to be able to get what's going to be fair value for his impact back in a trade. You're just not going to get what would be the equivalent of Chris Jones value back in a trade. So unless you absolutely positively financially can't make it work, you have to extend them. And looking at the chiefs, you know, cap space in the next couple of years, uh, you know, Nope, they got plenty of space in the future. They can definitely <laughs> figure out how to make this work with Chris Jones. So extend them, save some money this year, keep them in Kansas city for a few more seasons. Like, I think, I think it's a no brainer move. You could ask me last offseason, I'd be like, eh, probably right. should trade him. You probably yep. should trade him as good as he is. You should probably trade him because they're still always missing that that one showing up when everything mattered, always being there, being assignment sound on a snap-in, snap-out basis. That all changed this year. It was all different. So he fixed the qualms that I would have had with paying him long-term at his age. So yeah, pay him. I Pay him what he needs to be to stay around. You got to have someone to build the defense around right now. It's him and the rookie defensive backs.
2: He had, he had a career year. I know a lot of people, you know, a lot of people, you know, like I think the 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 year right before, I think the Super Bowl year, it, w- it was a fantastic season for him. Um, I think this one was better, because some of the gripes you might have had about the run game, I think he 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 squashed a lot of those. I think he was better against the run. I think he was more gap disciplined when he needed to be. Like he wasn't perfect. Don't get me wrong, but I think there was such consistency across the. It might be a little bit like. We see this version of Chris Jones. I think has he's he's developed and grown into a leader, into a, a different kind of player than he was even you know before his first contract. And so it's cool to see that. Uh, I think he's very obviously motivated at this point to continue to win rings here in Kansas City. You see him taking on a, a role. Uh, of leadership with the experience that he's now developed, being in three Super Bowls, knowing what it's like to win, knowing what it's like to 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 lose, and I, I mean, this is I mean, I, this guy's gonna this guy's gonna be a instant Ring of Honor type guy when it's all said yeah. and done, and the Chiefs need to make sure that they they secure his services uh, for the foreseeable future. So I think you get a deal done with him. Uh, timeline on getting a deal done. I don't know if it's going to, I don't think it's going to be until this summer. Like we, you know, we've talked with our dear buddy Bearcat. cat. He might be listening right now. I don't know. He normally jumps on. but, um, hi, Bear, hi, Bear, If you're, if you're listening, Hey Bert. Um, but it, I, I think, you know, they'll probably try to take care of all the, of the other issues that they have on the, you know, with the roster construction perspective, they'll pull the, tr- they'll pull the trigger on the Patrick Mahomes restructure to create some cap space, and they'll probably do what we're going to talk about right now which is something with Frank Clark's contract cuz Frank Clark's contract hey look at that i almost i should have said chris jones's contract no um frank frank clark is probably he's not going to play at his current cap we talk about you know chris jones we talk about chris jones cap hit which is ginormous uh this year it's 28.29 uh million dollars 28.3 million dollars frank clark's is 28.7 million dollars <laughs> um uh, now 21 million of it uh can be given back to the chiefs if they are to release frank clark or they can ex- you know they can you know they can extend and they can restructure the deal for this year and next year they can do something there to it uh what maddie what are you laughing about
3: your explanation of his contract situation is the way you're dancing around it is great (laughs) it's It's killing it it's
4: so funny about this
3: (laughs) (laughs) they
2: can get he can give back 21 million (laughs) dollars i didn't say give back i did not say give back. back They, they can, can get, get back. back. They can get. They can. Am I not pronunciating my words? If well Frank Clark for you? is cut, the Chiefs save twenty-one
3: million dollars, and they only <laughs> spend seven point six million dollars on him. So the idea that the Chiefs will keep Frank Clark at nearly twenty-nine million dollar cap it is a little wild. So the question becomes: Do they want to cut him and just eat you know just under seven million to save twenty-one, or? Are they going to try to restructure something, extend him and spread out some of this money for a few more years? The chiefs notoriously do not like dead cap right now. Like that's been their thing the last few years, no dead cap. They want to be the lowest on the dead cap um, spending every year. So just straight cutting Frank Clark, that's probably all the dead cap they want to have for the entire season. Like they probably don't want to add a single other contract onto that. And it still might be too much. Right. So they might have to get a little, uh, they might have to finagle it a little bit now. The good news, the Chiefs almost always like to bring in some kind of veteran defensive end free agent, right? What if you just call Frank Clark that guy and then go actually get the real Frank Clark replacement somewhere else? I don't know. Just spitballing here, but they will have to figure out what to do with Frank Clark. They're also losing Carlos Dunlap, the free agency as of right now. So that defensive end room is losing their two starters, their two best run defenders, their two most reliable, consistent players. If they don't keep Clark at this cap, it they will have to figure out how they want to handle those two situations going into this.
4: Thanks, Maddie. They they, they got to keep one of them. I think that they have to keep one of them. They might get one back. They might, they might get one back. You might you might decide to get one of them back on your roster. No, I I can see uh this team, especially with Steve Spagnolo on the roster, Chris Jones on the roster this team looking at frank clark and saying hey listen we're gonna be in the playoffs every year like frank during the regular season is gonna be good we're gonna be able to rely on him most of the time we might deal with some health stuff we might deal with some injury stuff that's fine when it comes time for january guess what we're gonna get the best version of that guy possible and there's a chance that if he stays in Kansas city, he's certainly going to have the opportunity to break the all-time NFL playoff sack record as a chief. And that matters because he shows up in those biggest games when it counts. It is weird to say this as a chiefs fan since birth to say, Hey, listen, I'm fine with making moves for the playoffs. I am fine with making moves for January and February but that's that's exactly what it is. Now, Frank Clark, I know he likes it in Kansas City. He loves it here with Steve Spagnuolo. He likes playing next to Chris Jones. He certainly loves playing with Patrick Mahomes and not against Patrick Mahomes. You get to see the way that he's enjoying himself on the sideline in the Super Bowl, like all the stuff with him at the mic up. It's great The Jim Halpert looks that he's given to the camera. Every it, it's wonderful. He's having a good time. That matters to a guy like him that has rings, that is trying to create a legacy and be you know, that guy on top of the mountain. Playoff sacks is awesome. That is, that is an all-time thing. And Frank knows that there's not going to be a better chance for him to get it than here. So I can see him accepting an extension or a restructure or something of that measure to kind of kick the can down the road for a couple more years, reduce the cap hit this year, stay on this roster. I mean, certainly he's He's earned all the money, in my opinion. Like, he he completely made that contract up by showing
2: up in the playoffs. But they got to do something about it. I can see them keeping him. All right. I'll try to talk faster for you this time, Matthew. The Chiefs have a lot of leverage in this negotiation with Frank Clark because $20 million can be saved if they can There you it. go. Is that better? Okay. So what it's they could do... It. Maybe if you do a small extension, it's uh you know you add a year, you take a giant chunk of the, you know money that you were, you know do with the, on the base salary off, you know maybe it's you know a, a signing bonus of seven to ten million, and then some base salaries of you know five six seven, you could pay him ten to twelve million dollars a year somewhere in that range for the next two seasons. I don't think I'd hate that. I don't think I I think I'd be okay with something close to that. Like does that sound ridiculous to you Matthew?
3: I mean I don't I don't think so I'm I am bad at gauging what a player's salary is going to be based on what teams pay them. I can attempt to slot them compared to their peers, but it's really difficult for me to wrap my mind around what teams are going to pay for what they're not. When I see Frank Clark, I see a guy that I think a lot of teams would have a lot of difficulty believing that they have confidence that week in week out he is going to be a player they can rely on. Week in week out, you don't know if you're getting a three million dollar player, a fourteen million dollar player. You just don't know what's coming out of him week after week. He's dealt with a lot of injury issues. We know that he got down to two hundred and twenty some pounds. Is he passing every team's physical? Is the you know is he going to pass a physical for every single yeah. team? Just dealing with some of the injuries and medical issues that he has. So there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that is not on Frank Clark's side for maximizing his payday, right? There's a lot of stuff that isn't maximizing his payday. Now, end of the day, no matter what, Frank Clark is gonna come home with a little bit of cash from the Chiefs, no matter how this situation plays out. Yeah, it's just a matter of do the Chiefs want to give him more and spread it out over long term, or do they just want to give him, you know, pretty much all of it right at once? Just like, okay, we're good. I I think they should keep Frank Clark. I, I think at this point, looking at the numbers, there's there is not enough financial benefit to just go ahead and just straight-cutting him and not having him around whatsoever. I think you saw this year, especially down the stretch, he is still very much a positive player. He helps the young guys. He shows up when it matters. Come playoff time, he turns it on a little bit. Even if you don't love him as a pass rusher, even if you think he's not as good as he once was or never was that good, go watch the playoffs again, right? Like, he matters out there on the field. He is not a negative player whatsoever, so keeping him around for that run, I think, makes sense at... Whatever ends up being a reasonable cost, I'm not going to attempt to predict it. I did. It's so hard in his situation because he has he has no leverage.
4: Yeah. Uh, ask George Karloffis how much Frank Clark means to this team. Mm-hmm. Now you want to talk to me about how you want to add another young defensive end. You want them to come up and be ready to play. Yeah. That defensive end is also going to benefit from Frank Clark being on this team. Like he just is. And so, Even if you are essentially keeping him around in kind of a mentor role, think back to Tambaha Lee near the end of his career, a guy that was just such an invaluable resource to that group of players, to those defensive linemen, and evolving them as players, teaching them little tricks, teaching them... Ways to read the way the tackle is setting, teaching them about what they need to do with their footwork to set up different pass rush moves. That's stuff that Joe Cullen is helping with, but having that guy that by proxy out there on the field sees something, you know, before coming to the sideline, sees something, turns to another guy and says, hey, this is coming, attack this guy this way, you know, and and seeing the positive results from that. He helps everybody get better. So if you're adding another young guy, if your focus is, hey, in the draft, we want another young pass rusher near the end of the first round, that's what we want to spend our assets on. Having a guy like Frank Clark is worth more than what you are going to see on the box score because of what he can help produce out of those young guys.
2: Nolan Smith. Uh, (laughs) If you look at the 53-man roster from the Chiefs last season, there's only one defensive tackle. From that team that's still on the roster we're not going to go in depth on colin and derek naughty and brandon williams but i think we should talk about the defensive tackle position as a whole outside of chris jones because they're gonna have to either bring some of those guys back they're going to have to add to that group or they're going to have to draft or i mean it could be all three honestly maddie <laughs>
3: The defensive line needs a complete rework at this point in time, and you got to decide if you want the same players that were here this last year that were good enough. They won a Super Bowl, they were clearly good enough, or what you want to do to turn it over. Um, It's interesting because you go and look at the free agency market, right? You're trying to pick out where the Chiefs might spend money. We're not really talking about free agents right now, but you look at where you want to spend money. The interior defensive line market has some big-name players but I don't know if there's a ton of solid players in it. So you might be better off if you don't want to spend big on another defensive tackle, trying to bring back some of these defensive tackles that were on this team already. I mean, you might save a little bit of money. They'll have familiarity with the system. And I don't know how many one-to-one replacements you're going to get for cheaper and free agency this, this particular year. So they're going to have to do a little bit of dancing around there. I think, um, Colin Saunders being back is one that I think the Chiefs should feel pretty strong in. I think he played better and better you know, this season. He got better as the year went along. He made big plays routinely. I don't think he is a full-time starting nose tackle, but I love him as part of a rotation with with Tershawn Wharton and Mike Dana or whatever other defensive ends kicking inside to go along with Chris Jones. Then you're just missing that one final piece next to them at nose
4: tackle, and they got to figure out
3: some kind of answer
4: because it ain't Derek Naughty. Uh, it's Brandon Williams. Let's just go ahead and do that. I mean, Brandon Williams was pretty good down the stretch and they trusted him to play more and more snaps. I I mean, not a guy that I think any of us expected to come in and eat a ton of snaps, but he did. He really did. And he played pretty well down the stretch. Now the benefit for this, unless you're a Uber athletic nose tackle, you're not going high. In the draft, so there are guys that you can look at from a pure run stuffer perspective to kind of go in tandem with Chris Jones, Colin Saunders, Turk Wharton, as guys that can rotate in on early downs, and then you can insert those guys into your dime looks. You can get those guys third, fourth round. Those are the types of guys that typically that goes. Derek Naughty was a third-round draft pick and a damn good one, completely all the way up through this year. I know that he wasn't at his best this year, but the previous years that he played for this team, he was an excellent nose tackle. I'd be looking at it there. You know, it, take a small investment on that kind of guy in the draft, bring back guys like Colin Saunders, Brandon Williams, lean on that rotation a little bit more because you are going to have to build it up. I just think it's a little much to ask, you know, to turn around and say, "Okay, let's get three new guys on the interior here to go with Chris Jones, because I think that's when you can start losing some of the gap stuff. You can stop losing some of the run fit stuff and you've got to train them up a little bit more, at least in this case, as you're bringing on a young guy, you don't have to play him for the first four five, six weeks of the season. Then you can roll them in with the rest of the stuff as they learn the game.
2: Yeah, I think uh, I think Colin would be pr- the priority for me of, of that group. I'm okay moving on from Derek Nottie at this point. I was kind of surprised; like it was just it was weird. This year was weird for Derek Nottie. I think it was a stark drop off. Like I don't think he was as I don't think it was as rough this year or the year prior as it was this year for him. And I don't know entirely what the deal is with that. Um, but he just he didn't seem to play particularly well. But Colin Saunders is a guy that I am I'm interested in in, in trying to bring back. The good news for uh, and, uh without getting too specific there are a lot of big nose tackles in this draft. Mm-hmm. Uh and to Craig's point like it's not just that there are, you know, some guys that, you know that may not get drafted early there's just a lot of them too. So I think that's something worth keeping an eye on. I believe Danny Shelton signed a reserve future con- uh, futures contract as well. So I think there's some intentionality to to look at some of these bigger one tech type players. Kind of curious to see how they approach that. Um, how early they take one in the draft if they do? Jordan Foot, uh, producer extraordinaire, believes uh, spot spot check says Colin Saunders can get, uh, or that he can get a two-year, roughly thirteen million dollar contract. So mm-hmm. that's 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 kind of the projections right now for Colin Saunders. It's so good for him, honestly. Like I don't know, I don't know if that's gonna be too rich for the Chiefs' blood, but at the same time, like you've got to make some investments in some capacity. Uh, I, I
4: would I would do that personally, just seeing how he came on under Cullen. And I, that's a lot of faith put into Cullen, but I would personally do that six and a half million a year. Like, that's that's pretty light. So I, I would definitely do that.
3: What do we think his snap count looks like once you have a full-time nose tackle hmm. and Tershawn Wharton, oh, Wharton. is back?
2: Yeah. the only does thing he, I start to run into. Does, does, Tur- Wharton, does, does oh, Turkey into Dana's snaps a little bit? I think so because I think he maybe did that's time Yeah, I think I, yeah yeah, I think that's that might be part of your answer there, Matthew. All
3: maybe I, I just I'm trying to think about it. Like he was forced into a bigger role this year because of the injuries that they faced and those the snap counts. I mean they took off. They took off bigger numbers as the year went on. Derek Nott, he wasn't as good as they wanted, but then Tershawn Wharton going down kind of opened that door up for for Colin a little bit more. I just wonder what level of snap count you're going to get once everyone's back. And I also think part of it revolves around what nose tackle you get. Are you getting a Brandon Williams who is legitimately only playing like one and a half downs, like playing a very minimal amount of snaps. You're going to want to put Colin Saunders out there with Chris Jones more often than Brandon Williams, because he can play, you know, both uh, against the run and the pass. But if you go out and you draft somebody or you pay a little bit of money to get a nose tackle that can, be equally as good as colin saunders if not better in both situations just i think it depends on how you really want to go about building the team that's it's a steep amount of money for a guy that i think might still could be continue to be a role player at the nose tackle position
4: he has not caught a touchdown pass damn it (laughs) and one of those is worth at least the six and a half million by itself for me
1: you're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in kansas city kc sports network
0: Entertain,
1: educate, inform KC Sports Network.
0: Hit the
2: like button, hit the subscribe button if you're watching. Appreciate everybody hanging out with us right now, or if you are listening or watching after we have gone live. Again, just a reminder KCSN Draft Guide is available for pre-orders. There's a link to de- uh, to purchase in the description of this show. $12.99 gets you the book when it releases on April 5th, but in the meantime, gets you three months of KCSN Substack premium content, all the breakdowns that we're going to have on all the free agents that the Chiefs do inevitably sign and all kinds of other sweet, sweet content as well. So uh, make sure you take advantage of that. The link is in the description, whether you're listening on audio right now or whether you are watching this video. Juan Thornhill, is he... I mean, is he the defensive player that gets paid the most this offseason? Like, it seems like there might be a little bit of love for Juan Thornhill in the free agency market, Maddie.
3: I, I probably safety's weird, right? Yeah. Okay. No, no. Let's take. I know the safety market's increasing, right? But let's go back a couple years in Trey Boston. I, I knew we were going favorite.
2: to Trey Boston. I, I knew that's where we were going.
3: And Guess who's, you know, relatively comparable to Trey Boston? Oh, he's a, a single better high safety.
2: Huh? Juan's a better, more willing tackler than Trey Boston.
3: Uh, um, okay. Um, so- more
2: willing, he said. <laughs> more willing. <laughs> Trey okay. was just not about that life at all.
3: Me, I don't okay. I don't think Juan Thornhill's about that life either. I think when he gets a guy in the flat, he wants to flap and make the hit. You want to ask Juan to insert into a run fit. Ah. Mm. So anyway, we're dealing with a single high safety that maybe doesn't have the range to be a dynamic single high safety again, right? We we've talked about it all year. He's been a little late over the top on playing splits too high, playing, you know, split field stuff. He's been a little late to the sideline. Here's a guy who kind of We loved him coming out of college. We thought he had a great rookie year because he played phenomenally as a single high safety showing range and ball skills and all this stuff. He played better this past year. He clearly had his, you know, he improved from the year before. The issue we're running into is what is the market for a single high safety that doesn't have dynamic range anymore? What's the market for a split field deep safety that doesn't really have man coverage ability or hasn't shown a ton of it? And is a willing tackler out in the flats, but is it really like he isn't a <laughs> dynamic. He is not a guy that wants to live and die by coming up and defending the run. What is the market for that? I don't know if Juan Thornhill could be a guy that gets $8 million and kind of surprises you right off the bat because somebody wants to buy into the, the athleticism and what the, the belief of a single high safety is, even though like no teams use it anymore, or he's a guy that's still a free agent come June july and has to take a two million dollar de- one-year deal just to go play somewhere because his market just wasn't there it's really hard to tell right now because i just i think his play style is dying out a little bit in the nfl and i don't know if he exhibits the athleticism anymore that you wanted him to have for it
4: he is a 21 percent more willing tackler than trey boston he's analytics hashtag analytics uh, no, again, so uh real quick real quick though just yeah. from
2: jordan foot uh producer extraordinaire the uh projected per year value of a one thornhill contract would be 7.5 million dollars so just say so that's know. pretty steep that's pretty steep especially
4: for a team that just drafted brian cook and saw him kind of grow into that role a little bit more in in that perspective um I actually think that safety is going to be one of these sneaky positions that the chiefs pay a guy in or spend a high draft asset in. Um, It's kind of, we talked about this before the end of the first round, there's where a lot of safety value typically falls in the draft there. You know, teams don't like to take safeties very high in the draft. That seems to be kind of the sweet spot. And it's also as one, as Maddie said there, it is A weird market where certain teams are going to have certain guys that they like, you know, that specialize in certain things. And so they're going to pursue those harder than other guys, whereas guys that can do a little bit of everything sometimes fly under the radar a little bit. I think the Chiefs are going to look for another guy that they think can play in the box, a la Justin Reed or Brian Cook, can man up a little bit a la Justin Reed can play split safety really well a la Brian Cook at towards the end of the year there and have three safeties that they can put on the field and any one of them can do literally anything Steve Spagnolo likes to get crazy likes to try and rotate his safeties around and do all sorts of insane stuff back there having a player that can fit in with Justin Reed and Brian Cook, that can do a little bit of everything, not necessarily be elite at everything, but do a little bit of everything effective enough to confuse a quarterback, I think that that matters to see Spagnolo a little bit more than having a guy like Juan Thornhill, who maybe when he was drafted was more of a single high, rangy, free safety type. The league has gone to too high. They're going to stay in too high for a long time here, as long as the wide receiver athletes are just better than DB athletes. So, as long as that stays the case, which it will be for the foreseeable future, too high is going to be king. And you got to have ways to make too high look different, to rotate into it in different ways, and still be able to fit the run from that. Having that third safety that's in the mold of a Reed or a Cook makes a lot more sense to this team right now as it's constructed than maybe a guy like Juan Thornhill does.
2: All right, we're gonna go around the room. Is Juan Thornhill a Kansas City Chief next this time, or is he is he Kansas City Chiefs next season? Yes or no, Matthew? <laughs> nah, I don't think so. I don't think so either. And I will miss you, Juan.
4: Enjoy both of those rings.
2: Sweep it for Super Bowl champion Juan Thornhill. I agree. Um, yeah, I, I I I tend to think he's probably gonna. I think he'll find a contract somewhere else. I think the Chiefs, you know, with Brian Cook's resurgence, already resurgence already spending on Justin Reed. I think that, you know, they've got some, they've got some, th- some players there. And, you know, like, d- do, you, I mean, like, what do you do with, like, Legarius Sneed, too? Do you, do you try to move him to safety with Trent McDuffie? Like, in, in a, in, I mean, I know he's playing in the, Knick, you know, he's playing down there already, but like, what do you do? What do you do, Craig? I mean, I, I do what I talked about on 21 questions
4: this past weekend. You I don't listen, listen to, to that. that. I yeah. know you don't. You don't listen to anything that, that we have to say. You weren't listening earlier. Did you know that
2: <laughs> did you know that did you know that I say you're okay after every episode or every episode you're not on? So see yes. you don't listen to everything. Yes, year. I do. Uh-huh. I do. No, Maddie
4: tells do me. Uh-huh. Um <laughs> no. Um we talked about it a little bit, but it is one of those that I can see as long as the value is right in that regard legerius need you remove him from the box you remove him from the slot you lose some of the impactful negative plays that this defense can make that's not to say that trent McDuffie can't do that it's not to say that one of these other corners can't fit the run be able to you know make an impact as a blitzer we've certainly seen willie gay as an overhang do a lot of that stuff there are ways that you can get around that i just think taking legerius need away from the box more often by rotating him into that safety position more regularly makes your defense worse as a whole because of the negative plays you'll be missing now you may be a little more consistent maybe it's more regular three yard gains rather than you know a negative one and a seven yard gain you know back to back but those negative plays are so prized in today's NFL because they happen so infrequently and it just makes offensive coordinators panic that I want LeJarrius Sneed close to the line of scrimmage, although I can understand the clamoring now that you've got three corners that you can trust having a guy that can rotate back there because he certainly has done it before. He rotates into there when they go into some of that two-robber stuff where they, slot, where they drop their slot corner, but I still think that I want luxurious need in the slot close to the line of scrimmage
3: i think if this was something the chiefs were seriously considering they wouldn't have moved him to outside corner and having him start shadow wide receivers right like i you would wait until the offseason to make this change but if you're sitting there in that room and you're just even starting to kick around this idea i don't think you're gonna move him to outside corner and then have him start dealing with doing you know playing into the boundary and trying to cover, you know, DK Metcalf going vertically and stuff like that. I just, I don't think that's the move. It would be a very hard left turn from the way they treated LaJerry Sneed down the stretch of this past season. And, cut straight to the chase the reason that the chiefs were able to get him on day three was because he He got put (laughs) in the position in college and then they were like hmm maybe he should go back to corner so i think it would work i think he would find a way to make it work to think he's a really good football player i just i don't think that is the move that the Chiefs should go to keep your all four corners guys get hurt guys get deemed up Maybe a young guy's confidence starts to wane and you have someone ready to go right there. Like, yeah. I, there is no problem with having four quality corners in the NFL. You do not, we do not need to move one.
2: I would say, um, the big, I, I don't know how thrilled, uh, need would be about that either. On a contract, you're going from cornerback <laughs> oh, to yeah. yeah. Uh, that's the other thing from a, from a luxurious you know, perspective. I don't know how thrilled he would be with that either. It's just, it's, it's a hypothetical to think about because the Chiefs have a, Just absolute wealth uh, at the cornerback position. It's kind of fun. It's a great position to be in. We'll see how they navigate the rest of that back seven and and what they do, what investments they make, uh, if any, uh, in free agency and the draft. It's going to be fascinating. Uh, We are just getting started with our offseason content. We cannot wait for you to see everything we've got going on. Uh, leading up to free agency in the draft. It's going to be a lot of fun here on the KC Laboratory. It's going to be a lot of fun on KC Sports Network as well. If you've seen the KCSN draft show started already. I don't know how many you know team-specific channels have Matt Miller and Eric Galco on their shows every week, but we do, and we're really excited to be talking to those guys about the draft every single week leading up to it. <sighs> Cannot wait for more. Uh, make sure you click the like and subscribe button. We appreciate everybody hanging out with us. That's been the KC Laboratory for this week. We'll catch you later.
1: Can't, thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN. Covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current. Plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou. By searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts we're also on youtube entertain educate inform kc sports network
0: this is the story of the one as head of maintenance at a concert hall he knows the show must always go on that's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working the hvac is humming and his facility shines